go to the word of the Lord this morning. Father, would you help us have such a hunger for you and such a thirst that our hunger for the Word would, would drive us to want it more than any other information. That our thirst for your Spirit, God, would be like a deer that pants for the water. Stir that in us now, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to share with you some statistics on world hunger. 805 million people in the world still don't have enough food. Yet the earth produces enough food for each of the 7 billion people that are on this earth to meet the recommended calories needed per day. How is it that 805 million people still don't have enough food when there is the ability to create that much food. It's the sin of man. It's politics. It's evil. It's force of one man over another. Hunger kills more people every year than AIDS, malaria, tuberculosis combined. People are starving to death more than those dying of AIDS, malaria, and tuberculosis combined. At least 6,000 people die every day from hunger or hunger-related causes. Disasters and emergencies account only for 8% of the issues of hunger. So it's not because there's been a tsunami or there's been some kind of calamity that we have a problem with world hunger. Again, it's the sin of man withholding food and restraining it. Let me share you some of the issues concerning world thirst. 663 million people, that's one in ten, lack access to safe water. Twice the population of the United States lives without access to safe water. 2.4 billion people, one in three, lack access to a toilet. One-third of the global population lack access to proper sanitation. More people have a mobile phone than a toilet. In second and third world countries, one-third of all health care facilities lacks safe water sources. And according to the World Economic Forum of January 2015, the water crisis is the number one global risk based on impact to society as a measure of devastation. So there's a real problem with food and water on this planet. And I want to share with you something else. There's a real problem with food and water in the church. The people of God need to have a word hunger and a spirit thirst again. Because there's a drought in the church for the hunger of the Word of God and for thirsting after the Spirit of God. We're complacent with morsels. 
and sips of water. Would you please turn with me to Isaiah chapter 55? There is an invitation here for all of us in Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah 55, we're going to read starting at verse 1. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. And the invitation is like this. Isaiah 55, verse 1. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy to eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. I mean, that's quite an invitation, wouldn't you say? Come on! The table's set. Come. Come and drink. Come and buy food. You don't need money. It's here for you. Come. Eat. If you have no money, it doesn't matter. Come and eat. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. The American church is wasting so much money on that which is not spiritual food. We're spending money on carnal, sugary things. We're malnourished as a people of God. We're not doing the work of the laborers in the field because we've spent all our money on ourselves. And God is saying, don't waste your money on that which is not bread. And what is bread to the believer is the Word of God. That we would present ourselves to God. One who is approved, rightly dividing the Word of God. So God's saying, spend your money on me. On the Word, eat this Word of God. It is satisfying to the soul. There's nothing in this life that is as rich as this Word. And I don't know what series you're hooked on, on Netflix or what movies you're loving and enjoying. Hey, we love to be entertained, but can I tell you something? There's nothing more entertaining than the majesty of God. It should captivate you beyond all reason that you can't pull away. You can't stop seeing His majesty. That when someone invites you to pray, you can't wait to go in prayer because you begin to see the Lord high and lifted up and His train fills the temple. His glory fills the atmosphere. His majesty overwhelms you and you're entertained to watch Him and to consider His ways and to consider His wisdom and to consider His knowledge. He's genius. He's beautiful. He's awesome. Are you captivated by Him? Are you entertained by Him? And so, He invites us to come and eat rich, blessed food. Verse 3, incline your ear, come near to me, hear that your soul may live, and I will make you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. It'll be yours too. Come here. Come here. Come here. I was doing this yesterday with my granddaughter. Come here. Come here. She had a mind to go somewhere else. Come here. Come here. Come here. 
Come here. Come here. Come here. And I only think of God saying that to us over and over while we're concerned and thinking about all the things that are in front of us. Come here. Tim. Tim, come here. Tim, come here. Tim, Tim, come here. Tim, come here. Come here. Tim, come here. Come here. Listen, I want to show you something. That thing you were praying for, here it is. Here's the answer. Tim, 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 come here. Give me your ear. Tim, listen. Tim. Tim, put your name in there. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander for the peoples. That's King David. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you, because the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for He has glorified you, Israel. And what he's saying here is he's prophesying about the time of the Gentiles, the nations. And he's saying, I'm going to make you, Israel, so great because you've attended your ear to me as I've made covenant with you. And Israel, I will draw the nations to you. And so he's saying to you, Tom, Dick, Harry, Jane, Betty, I have covenant with you and I'm going to make you a drawing to the Gentiles, a drawing to the nations, a drawing to the lost ones. You, because you have heard me. I have covenant with you. You know my word. You trust it. You've eaten it. You've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. How many of you have ever been sitting with someone at a meal and and they bought something and they taste and they go, oh, that's so good. Oh, that's so good. Here, you've got to take a bite. Try this. Try this. I really don't want it. No, you have to try this. Please try this. No, I'm good. No, you've got to take this. Taste it. No, honey, it's really okay. I don't No, you don't know what I'm tasting. This is so good. All right, fine. That's how we need to be with Jesus. I've tasted him today, and he is so good. I can't keep quiet about it. You've got to taste it. Please come. Please see. See him. See him. See him. Do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? Oh, please come see him. And that's what he's saying to Israel. That's what I want to do. Verse 6, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the righteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to give our God and to our God for he will abundantly pardon The backsliders, this is the day to start calling them back. This is the time because you've set the table, a banqueting table. You're feasting at it, so invite your friends. Invite the lost. Come on, folks. We've got something every human heart craves. We've got the answer. Invite someone to this meal, please. And he says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are greater than your thoughts. Don't you want to partake in that? I am so lame in my thinking. We are so ignorant. Our abilities, I'm sure that there are some astute people here. You're brilliant. You're amazing. You're faculties are beyond me when it comes to math you all beat me on that so but I mean you're amazing people but I'm telling you you don't think far enough high enough wide enough to even compare to the genius of God 
Oh, if we could get his perspective on our situation. Doesn't anybody need that? Doesn't anybody need a major solution to a problem that is better than, than geometry and algebra? God's algebra for our problems is genius. He is amazing. Don't you love, how about the A-team? Don't you love when a plan comes together? God, God's the one who said that. He's the one who started that. And he loves all these plans coming together. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. And yet our thoughts condemn God. He wasn't soon enough. He wasn't quick enough. I don't think he's fair enough. Seriously? Come on. Come to me. You've got to eat this food. It is awesome. Verse 10, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It will not return void or empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it to do. The only reason someone was able to harvest the wheat and make bread is because the rain fell from the sky, watered the seed, caused it to grow, caused it to nourish and mature, to bear fruit so that they could make it into bread. And God says, that's me to you. I'm raining on you. I'm revealing grace to you. And because that grace is coming into you, it's bearing a seed, an imperishable seed that Peter says that grows the very fruit of God's nature and spirit in us to produce His Word that will not return void. Whatever He began in you, He's able to complete. Would you begin to publish this Word? Would you begin to declare this Word? And it will be sent to accomplish another seed into somebody else to bring life in abundance. Somebody eat some bread! Is anybody hungry for that kind of bread? Come on, everybody should say, Pastor, I'd like to f- hear you finish this message, but i got to get into the Word. i got to go. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great to cancel church because we're going to start having church? I can't wait for that day when the Word of God is flowing freely and powerfully. Verse 12, For you shall go out in joy. You'll be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth with singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress instead of the briar that shall come up in the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. It's going to produce life, in other words. No more thistles. No more pickers. No, the Word of God in you is going to produce life and life abundantly and it will flow out of you like a river. Oh, that's a healthy people in covenant with God listening to His majesty. And so I tell you this morning that there are two things that are involved in our Christian walk. And that is that a hunger and a thirst. Say it with me. Hunger and thirst. Again, hunger and thirst. Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be what? Yeah, the trees will break forth with singing, clapping their hands, the mountains, and all the trees skip the thistles and the thorns and the weeds. It'll become fruit and blessing because the righteousness of God is in you. And it will be blessed. You'll be satisfied. Don't you love to sit at a meal and eat till you're satisfied? And then what happens? You fall asleep. (laughs) 
you get fat. Fat is good in biblical language because fat is, the, is that which is the power uh, uh, that breaks every yoke of bondage. It's the anointing. In the Old Testament, the same word for anointing is the concept of becoming fat. Some of you are very anointed. God bless you. But it's the concept that that fatness, that swelling, that it it is such an anointing, it breaks the bonds of every chain on you. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So there's two analogies that I'm using today for hungering and thirsting. One is a word hunger, and second is a spirit thirst. Word hunger, spirit thirst. Word hunger, spirit thirst. If there's two things Christ Community Church does, it's two things. We hunger for the Word of God and we thirst for the Spirit of God. That's all we do here. We worship in the Spirit so that the river of life will flow and we study the Word of God so that we're full. I got nothing else to offer you. I could do a song and dance. We could have all sorts of promotions and light shows and smog machines. We could have lattes and coffee. But none of that is the food that God wants to provide His people. We hunger for the Word and we thirst for the Spirit. And on that diet, we will bring forth a Word of God that will not return void. Hallelujah. So let's just focus on that for a second. And look at the bread of life. The bread of life. A word hunger. You can turn here if you're quick enough or write it down. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. I've written it on the screen for you. Moses is saying this to Israel, and I found it fascinating concerning their wilderness time. He said in Deuteronomy 8, 3, He humbled you and let you be hungry. start over again because it's really God let me be hungry he's supposed to satisfy my every need he humbled you and he let you be hungry and he fed you with manna which you did not know nor did your fathers know that he might make you understand I think God has to do that a lot don't you Make us understand. It's another word for that is persuade. Abraham had to be fully persuaded. And God is willing to persuade us. He'll use any means. Has anybody here been persuaded by God? You all have. You wouldn't be here if you weren't. Right? That He might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, you have to understand something. Bread in the Middle East in this time period. Bread for us is that little thing we have, the buns that we uh, put all sorts of melted butter and sugary things on before we eat a meal, or right all the carbs we add to it. You know. So right now, bread is that extra additive thing that we could have or not have. It's what holds your lunch meat in next to the lettuce. Right, it's what puts the burger on the patty. And uh, so bread is that optional thing. Not so at this time. When you said bread, it was their life. Give us this day our daily bread. It meant meal. It meant food. It meant what sustains us. And he's saying, I needed to make you hungry. 
so that I would provide a bread that came from me and not your hands. And aren't we hungry enough? Haven't we eaten enough of our society's bread? Haven't we eaten enough of our culture's diet? We're all sick and dying from it. Haven't we had enough of this junk that where we're now hungry for something spiritual, the lost are hungry for something. They're sick of this. And the church isn't offering them anything better than what the world is. They need something from God's mouth. And he said, so I gave you manna and you didn't know what it was. And that's a little bit of a pun because the Hebrew word for manna is, what is it? That's how they named it. They're walking along and sploosh. What is that? That's what they called it. And every morning, the what is it showed up. But isn't that what we're to inquire of the Lord? What is it? What is it, Lord? Your manna every day is to say, what is it? I need you to do this. What is it? What is it? What is my assignment? What is it? What is it? And we don't live by satisfying ourselves. We live by satisfying Him. What is it, O oh God? What is it? And so what He did is He humbled them, He made them hungry, and He gave them manna so that they knew that the bread, the leeks and the onions they wanted back in Egypt. He said, I'm not giving you a recipe for anything else that somebody else made. This came from Me. And they had to know that the bread of life came from me. And that's what Isaiah 55 said. Just like the rain comes down, waters the ground, and brings the bread, so I do this with my word. I bring you the word. It is the bread of life. Until, until that prophecy of this manna, this manna that came, they were to collect what is it, the manna, and they were to take the what is it and put it in a jar and put it in the Ark of the Covenant. And it was called the hidden manna because that manna that came from the mouth of God was prophetic of the very bread of life, which was Jesus who put on flesh and became the manna of God to the earth to bring us the bread of life. He's the manna. He said, I'm the bread. John 6, he goes to explain it. He says, I am the manna that was in the wilderness. I'm the bread of life. I am not only from the mouth of God, I am the mouth of God. The Word of God. And so this Word is something we've got to have a hunger for. But Pastor, I don't understand it. Yes, you do. You're just giving up too quickly. You can understand this word. There's thousands of different translations. You can get a comic book translation. Somebody get the word. I guess that would be like crackers. But eat them. As far as the bread. I don't know. Pita bread. You can get all sorts of loaves of bread. But you've got to dive in. The Bible explains the Bible. And the Word of God explains it. But you're quitting too soon. You're quitting too easy. Begin to read it. Begin to absorb it. Be hungry for it. It came down from heaven. But it is the very Word of God's mouth. That's what He says the Word is. The manna is the Word of God. The bread become flesh. And Jesus went radical on everybody there in Israel when He was preaching. 
A crowd continued to follow Jesus because once He gave them fish and bread. And they went, this is awesome, man. I mean, when Jesus cooks up fish, it's got to be good. Right? So it multiplied to feed 5,000 one time, and in another time it fed 4,000, Mark tells us. And so all of a sudden, a crowd's going to follow Him. Where there's food, there's a crowd. That's why we have bagels. So you'll come to church. Pretty soon we'll put some eggs and we'll put some cheese on it and we'll have <laughs> McBagels for everyone. Now, I never should have said that because people are going to go, oh, did you hear that? When's that going to happen, Pastor? <laughs> I'll stop right there. I was going to go for something else, but I'm going to stop right there. I have no idea where I was going with this. But anyways, this... This is from the mouth of God. And so this following of people started following him. And Jesus realized, you know what? The only reason you're here is to eat. So he said this. He said, I'm glad you're here for bread. And I want you to understand something. I am the bread that was in the wilderness. I'm the manna that came from God. I am the bread of life. And unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll have no part of this. What'd that dude just say? I guess they're cooking him today. I don't know. He said we have to eat his flesh. How dare he say eat his flesh? That's against the covenant law of God. We can't eat his flesh. And people scattered. Then they left. And he turned to his disciples and said, you going too? Peter said, Lord, where, where else would we go? Bread of life. This word offends. This word offends people night and day. It is a stumbling block. And it is offensive because it is the holiness of God. It is the reality of what life is, not the distortion we've made life become. And so through this lens, you begin to see everything that's crooked and wrong. But yet, in the world, it seems upside down. That's why in this day, if you don't have the Word of God in there, if you're not eating this bread of life, you're going to be quickly persuaded by the world and not stand. But that's what Jesus did. He said, you need to come and eat the bread of life, the Word of God. Now, we need that, folks. Manna comes from the mouth of God by the command of God. Manna was something they didn't understand. How many of you remember they got sick of manna and what did they want? Quail. It's actually a pretty funny and sad part of Scripture in the response from God. They said, God, we're sick of this manna. Imagine that. We're sick of asking you. We're sick of saying, what is it, God? What is it, God? But we, we come up with better ways than asking God. I can do this one myself, and we feed on quail, the stuff that flies around us. We do our own hunting. We do our own efforts, and we make our own meals, spiritually speaking. And so God says, you want quail? I'll give you quail. And this is a quote from the Word of God. I'll give you so much quail it comes out your nose. That's good, isn't it? So they got all the quail they could eat. But what happens with all that stuff if you don't have freezers in the desert? Spoils. How good is that going to last you? But every day, God is faithful with a new word. Every morning, God has a new word. Every morning, God has a new mercy. Every day, the Lord asks you to inquire of Him, what is it? 
but we go for the quail that rots in us and it makes our bellies sour. And so he says, I'll give you that. And then he sent serpents to come and begin to bite the people because they relied on themselves instead of God. And I don't know how many of you have been bit by the devil because you didn't get the Word of God and the instruction of God for the day and you went for the quail and the enemy bit you in the butt. And the only remedy for those who were bitten by the serpents and the snakes is he told Moses, you make a brazen serpent and you raise it up on the staff of a, of a banner. And a banner staff has a top post and a side post. You see the emblem here. And he's put the snake on and he said, anybody who will look to this will be healed from the enemy's bite. Jesus used that reference in John 3 and said, Behold, I am, the li- I am that serpent that was raised in the wilderness. That's me, Nicodemus. That was me. And if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. So God put a loaf of bread on there. And He said, Come and dine. This is the banqueting table. This is where you will feast and find your bread for free. Every promise is yours. Every word I've written down. It's yours, it's yours. Instead of looking at fortune cookies, look at my word. It's a promise that's sure. And this is our word, brothers and sisters, that we have to go to. It's the bread of life. Have a hunger for the word. If this church would have such a hunger for the word that we would ask every day the manna, what is it, God? What is it, God? And inquire of God. Things are going to change here. Now let's talk about spirit thirst. And those who are being baptized are dismissed. Psalm 63.1 You, God, are my God. Earnestly will I seek You. I thirst for You. My whole being longs for You in a dry and parched land where there is no water. We're not going to find the move of the Holy Spirit in the world. And you can go to a church that's moving in the Holy Spirit, but you got to move in the Holy Spirit. It's not going to come on you. It comes in you, through you. How many of you have been watching that? How many of you watch TV? I was just at Jets the other night picking up dinner. And um, on a commercial, and, and I was actually embarrassed. Because as I'm standing in line there, a commercial came on for water. There's a church in Detroit where you can buy water that will heal you. Right? And so he holds it up and he gave a testimony a lady who was, who was really sick and paralyzed, and she got healed. Hallelujah, she got healed. Now, I'm not embarrassed about God healing. I'm not embarrassed about God being on TV. But it isn't the water. It's not the stinking water in a bottle that you got to go pay some guy down in Detroit to get a bottle of water. I mean, come on, think about this. How many bottles does he produce? Is it his special blessing? Is it some kind of special water? Does it dilute if you mix two bottles? It's not the water. It's the water of God. It's the Spirit of God. Couldn't they throw the water out and say, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's the Spirit of God. Come, be healed. What healed you? The water? No. Jesus, my Savior, my Lord healed me. Someone testify of Him. There's something wrong if Jesus is going to heal through water at one church. God, pour out Your water in every church. 
Let every church become a faucet of your divine glory and grace. There's churches on every corner. What would happen if we turned to Him and we were so thirsty for a move of God's Spirit? Could you imagine if the Methodist Church, the Nazarene Church, the Baptist Church, Pentecostal Church, the Catholic Church, all of a sudden God just poured through every church door and the water and river of life poured out? Well, it will, but it's not going to come from a church because there's nothing in the church. It's the people and it comes out of us. And so we've got a thirst for it. Don't go buy some water, holy water. Come to Him. Now, I use the illustration of Moses. We saw the manna, but now Moses is in the wilderness. And according to Exodus 17, God told Moses, take your staff and strike the rock and speak to the rock and strike it and water will flow out of that rock. Now listen, this isn't a little sprinkle. You've got to remember how many thousands of people were in the desert at this time. And so when he struck that rock, that water gushed out to create a river and a reservoir to feel, I mean, I mean to, to f- uh, quench the thirst of, I don't even speculate, 100,000 people. I don't know how many thousands of people came out of Egypt. Okay, there you go. So that's a lot of water, wouldn't you say? But it's interesting, he was to strike the rock. Now later in the Word of God, according to Numbers, and according to Numbers chapter 20, God specifically told Moses, do not strike the rock, but speak to the rock, for the water to be released. And Moses went to the rock and was so angry at the people, you stiff-necked people, you stubborn people, here's your water, and he took his rod and he struck the rock. God was faithful to bring water out of that rock. How many of you know that God can use disobedience and God can even use a crooked strick to draw a straight line. God can use the foolishness of people, even in their disobedience, to bless others. Now, God healed some lady because she bought a bottle of water and thought that if she devoted herself to Jesus and drank some water, she could get healed. Well, the crooked stick was the water. God was gracious to meet her in her need and heal her. Thank God. Isn't that good? God is so good. God doesn't care about his reputation. He's God. He don't have to prove nothing to nobody. You can misrepresent him and he'll still show up as God. I thank God for that. But it cost Moses entrance into the promised land. Mo, you can't go. Can you imagine all you've been through and he can't go? God said, I'll take you up to the mountain. You can see it. You can see where they're going to go, but you can't go. Come on, God. What about grace? Come on. Why not? You don't understand the position that Moses was in. Moses was standing in a position prophetically to reveal Jesus Christ. Because to strike the rock, and Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 10 that the rock is Jesus. To strike the rock was a revelation of the cross of Jesus Christ. Messiah being stricken and smitten, and out of Him came salvation. And then, the second aspect 
is the release of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And Moses was supposed to speak to the rock for the release, but he struck it again and misrepresented the prophetic work of God. This water is to flow and it flows freely from the Word of God. Jesus accomplished everything by once being struck. From here on out, every blessing you have, every benefit you have, every move of the Holy Spirit you have is by the Word of the Lord, Jesus Christ, freely bestowing it to you, freely releasing it to you, if you will but hunger and thirst for this righteousness. Is anybody thirsty? On the last great day of the feast, we just got through October, which was the Feast of Tabernacles, according to the Jewish calendar. There are seven days to the Feast of, of um, Tabernacles, which is the Feast of Booths. And uh, they build booths, and they remember God's provision in the wilderness. And so this is the perfect story. And it would finish with what was called the eighth day, the octave to this great feast. And it's a great, wonderful feast that what happens is the high priests come out with golden, I mean silver uh, um, water lavers and, and vases. And the trumpets come out and they begin to blow the trumpets at, at the great feast in Jerusalem on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. James and Jesus' brothers said, Hey, Jesus, you know, you're all that. Why don't you go down there and show everybody? Jesus said, not because you want me to. No, I ain't going to. It's not my time to. So they went on ahead of him, and then I guess the father said, yeah, go on down. He listened to his father, not his brothers. <laughs> That's what you need to do. <laughs> so he did go down on that last great day of the feast. And what's amazing about that is, to set it all up as I conclude this morning, is that as people are gathered together, all of Israel. Remember, there are three feasts that the men of Israel are to come. They'd bring wives and family, and they'd come to Jerusalem three times a year. And at the Feast of Tabernacles, it's overcrowded. The city's there. Everybody's there. The priests are out with their silver trumpets, blasting the trumpet call. And the priests come out with the, with the water laver, the pitchers, and they walk to the Pool of Siloam to dip those pitchers in the water and to walk in procession back to the temple. And all of the people of Israel line the streets and they start quoting Isaiah chapter 12. Therefore with joy we shall draw water from the wells of salvation. Therefore with joy we shall draw waters from the wells of salvation. Can I tell you the Hebrew word for salvation? It's Yeshua. Yeshua is the word. Do you know what Yeshua is? Anybody? Jesus. That's the Greek name for the Hebrew word Yeshua, which is Jehovah's salvation. And so if you were to hear a Hebrew talk about salvation, he would say Yeshua. He would say Yeshua. Or for our translation, we'll interpret it, Jesus. And so imagine that the entire street is lined as the trumpets are blowing and the priests are carrying this water laver as they're walking through the streets with this water. Everybody's saying, therefore with joy shall we draw water from the wells of Jesus. Therefore with joy shall we draw water from the wells of Jesus. Therefore with joy we shall draw water from the wells of Jesus. And John chapter 7 says, he stood up in the midst of them and with a loud voice cried, if any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink water and out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water told them he was the bread you needed to eat him 
He stood up at that water festival and said, I'm the water, drink me. If there's any hope for this nation, if there is any hope for the church to be the catalyst for this nation, we need a word hunger and a spirit thirst once again. We're satisfied with too little. And he's going to make us hungry for him. He's going to make us hungry for him. Now, we've been through a place, a process of getting hungry since 2008. Something's happened to our economy, hasn't it? How many of you have been struggling? Struggling to make ends meet. Struggling to get finances together. You haven't heard hunger yet. Because the bread of this nation's going sour fast. And as people of God, we're no longer going to want to eat what this culture is feeding us. And we're going to become hungry again. And we're not going to be satisfied with the toys of our culture. We're not going to be satisfied by the entertainment of our culture. How many have found that out of the 300, 400 channels on cable, you can't watch any anymore? There's nothing there that satisfies. Are you getting hungry yet? There's nothing there that satisfies you. You can't find any place to go to be entertained anymore. There's nothing there to satisfy you. And the politics are rank. They're stupid. They stink. There's nothing to look forward to as anybody that is somewhat intelligent. There's nothing here for us. Are you getting hungry yet? There's a hunger for the Word of God in the people. And now there's a flow of God's Spirit. I need a spirit thirst and a word hunger like never before. If my people will come to me, He said, attend your ears. Come and dine. Come and eat. And I, my word will not return void. And out of you will flow rivers of living water if we would get a spirit thirst once again. Anybody want it? Anybody want the Word of God? Come on, does anybody want the Spirit of God? Does anybody want to drink of Him? Does anybody want to eat of His imperishable Word? Then it happens every morning and saying, God, what is it? God, what is it? What is it, God? And then releasing it. That's the whole point of food hunger and spirit release. You take Him in and you release a river so that wherever you stand, it gets saturated with the presence of God. Let's stand and bow our heads, O oh, Father.